pray. We have a guest speaker this morning, and I'm really stoked. You guys are going to be blessed. Friday night service was already fired up. 7 a.m. was amazing. We had some, we just had the presence of God in the room here today, and I believe that 9 a.m. is going to get some of it too. We're excited, but guest speakers. There's a lot of times I bring in guest speakers and we've kind of tried all different kinds. Like sometimes I've brought in the big name brand speakers, you know, and it draws a crowd and all that. And I love that because we get some powerhouse hitters and stuff. But I've, I've come to the conclusion of who I like to bring in as guest speakers more often than not is just my friends. I just want to bring my friends in to guest speak. And we've had guys that are like launching churches. One of our last speakers, I don't know if you guys remember a few months back, Drew Tevis. He was like, he didn't even have a church yet. He was planting a church in San Diego called Aloha Church, and I brought him in. He wasn't even a pastor of a church yet, but he's my friend, so I don't care. I bring my friends in here because the people that I know that I connect with that love God, I just want to bring them in and share them with you. And today I'm bringing in one of my friends, and he's been a traveling speaker, and he's a lead pastor now. He's been in ministry for a long time. But I met him a couple years ago at a pastor's conference that I was at with our our ARC uh, network of churches, Association of Related Churches. We love those guys. They're just all about planting and building life-giving churches and more of them. And we love these guys. So I I met my friend Mike here a couple years back and we kind of clicked and hit it off. But then where we really kind of hit it off was Last year, February, um, I went to Israel, took a trip to Israel, which, by the way, we're trying to plan one for Anchor Church in 2021. So start saving your money. We're going to get some buses, and we're going to go like crazy road trip in Israel, Anchor Church, going for it. But I digress. Back to Israel trip last year, February. Um, we met Mike and Bonnie Failauer, and we were basically the ones on the bus that were the back of the bus kids, like literally the back. So we're cracking jokes. We're having a good time. We're where the life is at. Everybody else is up front being all biblical studies and, you know, Israel, Israel. And we're just back there just loving each other, cracking up, having a good time. And so we just hit it off. And I'm like, man, I, I just like this guy, Mike. I want him to be part of my life. And I started calling him and talking to him. And I said, uh, there's some stuff going on in his church right now that's pretty amazing that God has shown up and done some stuff. And I said, you need to come to Hawaii and you need to come share that with us. So today I brought out Mike and Bonnie Failauer, Anchor Church. Would you just please rise where you're standing right there, where you're seated. Rise your feet. Would you just give a big Anchor Church welcome to Mike Failauer? Come on, welcome him. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, yep, here it comes. By the way, don't you think he looks like Robert De Niro? Yeah, come on, give the face. Hey, forget about it. Yeah, there it is. All right, you may be seated. Pastor Carl, you are out of control. Uh, We did, uh, I really do love your pastor, and um, I know you know that you have a great pastor in Pastor Carl. I know you know that. And I, aren't you thankful for him and his leadership and your, the other pastors here and the leaders here, the way they love the Lord, how much they love you, how much they love the Lord. And uh, you can tell that uh, Anchor Church is, is a healthy church. Um, as Pastor Carl mentioned, I traveled in, in the past around from ni- 1995 to 2001. I traveled. So I was in a different church all the time. Uh, those six years. And, and when that happens, you, you're in all these different churches. And quite honestly, you're in some churches that you're like, man, I got to get out of here. This is kind of scary. And, and they're not healthy and, and bless their hearts. They, I don't know why, but they, obviously something needs to happen. And then you're in churches where it's just like, you can tell Jesus is the big deal. 
and folks are in love with him and in love with one another, one another, and you can certainly tell that here at Anchor Church. Amen, right? So it has been an honor to be here, and uh, y'all have hosted us so well. They even gave us senior citizen parking right out front. <laughs> I was pulling up. I think they saw the gray hair, and they just said, oh, no, come over here. So there's a little walker there for me. I, I, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is a senior citizen parking, though, I think. I do like that. Uh, but, you know, they keep, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 60 in April. And, uh, and one of the things that's annoying, I don't know about here, but in the mainland, they keep raising the, the age. You know what I mean? For the discount movie tickets and the discounts. They just keep raising the age. And I'm like, I can't keep up. You guys keep moving the bar. Just, I'm looking forward to the discounts, the senior citizen thing, right? I do want to take a couple of moments and, uh, as Pastor Carl said, we're going to have the worship team come back in a little bit here and um, we're going to uh, have some time to just worship together. And really, in a sense, what that is for us or what, what that will be for us is an opportunity for us to respond to the presence of God, to the scriptures, to what God is speaking to us, uh, even particularly as I share some things that's been happening at New Life Church uh, we are in Corpus Christi, Texas. We're a beach town. The name of the church is New Life Church. Um, uh, we have, I mean, obviously we're a beach town. We're south, south Texas. We're right on the Gulf. We're two and a half hours north of the Mexico border. We're two hours directly south of San Antonio. We are definitely not in the Bible Belt. The, uh, the, about 73% of Corpus Christi is Hispanic. About 80, probably at least 73% of our church is Hispanic. About 85 or more percent of our staff is Hispanic. And so it's, it's a different, it's a whole different type of town. I think that's one of the things that helped uh, Pastor Carl and I connect because a lot of the churches, guys that we're friends with, they're, the, the culture is a little bit different than the culture that we deal with. Now, we, of course, we have beaches, but not like yours. And, and we have palm trees, but they don't look like your palm trees, you know. And uh, guys surf, but not the kind of surfing you guys are, are experiencing. But we are that culture where it's just everybody kind of moves in VCR slow motion. And I know VCR is a bad, probably a bad illustration, dating myself. But you know what I mean. It's just a, it's a slower kind of... It's very casual, very laid back, very, but um, Bonnie and I absolutely love uh, where we're at, and, and as Pastor Carl mentioned, um, we really had God do something um, pretty incredible. Um, we had uh, uh, a group of guys come in and minister to the staff around April of last year. And, and one of the guys looked at Bonnie and I, and he, he, he had a word from the Lord. Uh, and he just said, here's what I feel like God's saying to me, and I just want to share this with you, that you're going to experience two suddenlies in your church, one in the summer and one in the fall. And uh, for us, our fall is not like the normal Midwest fall. Right now we're in our fall. Uh, what month is this? March, right? Okay. Is it March? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's the date? It's the 10th. Okay. I, I'm confused. Um, but so for us, oddly enough, for us is our fall. March is our fall right now. But he said he saw two suddenlies happening, one in the summer, one in the fall. And we certainly experienced a suddenly this past summer. Um, 
What happened was, is uh, New Life Church, uh, I've been pastoring there for eight years, and I want to I take a moment and share this because I, this really applies, I think, so much to Anchor Church uh, in this sense, that we, were, we weren't broken as a church. We were growing. Things were working. We didn't have any church drama. We didn't have staff drama. We're, we were, we're healthy now. We were healthy then. We were healthy. We were, there wasn't anything wrong. We weren't sick in any way at all. There wasn't any glaring issue that we were dealing with. There wasn't any crisis. There wasn't any, anything like that. I mean, things were moving really well, and people were in love with Jesus. And I really, I really believe we were a, a presence-driven church and not a platform-driven church. And, 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 and you know, folks were, were coming to Jesus, and it was just all of that was going well, very well. At the same time, though, I personally was going through this process of feeling like, sensing that God not just wanted to do something more in us as a church, but he needed to do something more. And I really felt like that God needed us to be something, not even do something more than what we were doing, but to really be something that we hadn't experienced yet, that he needed us to be something in corpus. There was an expression that he wanted to have through us in our city. And, uh, and I just sensed that. And even with our health, there was something else there that he wanted to do and needed to do. And, um, and it really was something that, that weighed on me, uh, not like I was upset or depressed or anything, but it was just there. It was just a, and it continued, it, 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 it it grew slowly until it became like a, a little bit of a sense of urgency that, man, I, I just really need, we need to hear from God. And I remember talking with one of my elders on the phone, and I said, you know what? And this was during the summer. And I said, and I'd really forgotten about what this guy had shared with us that he felt like the Lord had shown him. I'd completely forgotten about it. And I was talking to one of my elders. I said, look, I said, I just feel like we just, we need to meet four Wednesdays in a row. Now, let me just say this. That in, uh, for us, a, a lot of churches in the mainland, they have uh, uh, a Wednesday night service once a month, and usually it's the first Wednesday of the month, and we have done the same thing, and, and we call it First Wednesday. Isn't that creative? It's the first Wednesday of the month. And so we just meet, and, and uh, we do that, and it's fine. It's good. It's usually about 250 or maybe 250 or so or 60 adults that'll show up for that. And it's fine. And so I was talking to my elder. I said, look, I said, I really feel like we need to have, I feel like we need to meet four Wednesdays in a row. We typically don't do that, but I just really feel like we need to do that. And I, I just really feel like God was wanting to say something and do something. And, and so I shared that with the congregation. I said, look, I said, in July, starting July 11th, that was a Wednesday night. I said, we're going to meet four Wednesdays in a row. And, uh, I said, we're just going to present ourselves to the Lord, and we're just going to worship him, and we're going to seek him. I may have something, probably I'll share briefly from the scriptures, but really I just feel like and if it's just me and the staff, then that's all, it's all good. I know it's summer. This is literally what I said. I know it's summer. I know a lot of you are traveling, a lot of vacations, and you should be doing that. Now's the time to do that. So I'm just saying, if you can make it, we would love to have you. If not, then just think of us, pray for us if, if you're not able to make it. And that's literally how I announced it. It was like so low-keyed. I was almost like, oh, I mean, one step further would have been to say, I'm gonna, we're going to meet on Wednesday, but I don't want you to come. I mean, it was just really that low-keyed. 
And, and so July 11th was the first Wednesday I showed up and I did, I literally just thought it would be maybe a couple of hundred folks at the most that would come. And the place was packed. We seat about 900 now back then was about seven something. And it was just packed from the front to the back, from side to side. It was packed. I was shocked. We all, the whole staff, we were like, what in the world? And it got my attention, not because of the number of people, but it got my attention because it, it spoke to me regarding a hunger that people had. Um, because we weren't doing something to get them there or something clever or giving anything away or whatever. It was just, hey, we're going to come, we're going to worship, we're going to pray, we're going to seek God, we're going to see what he has to say to New Life Church. Right? And the place is packed. So they're there to hear from God. They're there to press in. They were there to present themselves to the Lord. And so uh, we did that, and we just sensed God moved. Um, I shared a little bit, and then we came back and met a second Wednesday. And, and again, it just the place, there was even more people, and it just, it just we could just tell something was happening in us as a church. And he was, something was different about these meetings. And after the second Wednesday... I shared just very briefly, and, and the worship team came back, and we were going to worship, and, and I felt like the Lord say to me, because everybody was standing, give people an invitation to receive Jesus. And I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. We do that. Typically, the way we do it is, and there's nothing wrong with doing it this way. Bow your head. When I have people bow their heads, I have people raise their hands, and we do that all the time. We still do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But this Wednesday, the Lord said, Wednesday night, everybody stand. He says, give an invitation for salvation, but ask them to come to the front. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to do that. And I didn't, because that was completely outside of our church's culture. And, and so, but that whole week, I was super convicted. And the Lord was just kind of like reminding me, I don't, son, I told you to do something and you didn't do it. It's like our dog Malachi. When I tell him to come, he kind of looks at me like this, like he doesn't understand. I know he does. <laughs> so the next, the third Wednesday, I'm up there and everybody's standing up. We're going to close out with one couple songs of worship. But I just shared a little something from the scriptures and the Lord said, Have, give an invitation for salvation, very clear, but ask him to come to the front. And I knew it was the Lord. He had been dealing with me all week, and I did. And I, when I did it, I didn't want to look because I didn't want to see. <laughs> I didn't know if anybody would come. I was, you know, like, I, w I was trying to look spiritual by looking down and praying, but I really just didn't want to see because uh, I was concerned, you know. Like, by my, okay, crickets. About 120 or 30 folks came to the front and knelt. I didn't lay, there was no laying hands. There's still no laying hands that we do. It's, it's not that type of thing, but 150 people came and knelt. And then the, uh, the next Wednesday, we did it again. Uh, the Lord asked me to do it again, and I did, and about 200-something folks came to the front and knelt. People were getting saved. People were coming back to Christ that were backslidden. God was ministering to people. People were being healed of wounds and hurts and it was really powerful. And then one of the other Wednesdays, we, we thought, well, let's have baptisms because some of these so many people have given their lives to Jesus. And we baptized some folks. And we had two or three spontaneous baptisms, which is not that unusual for us. Every now and then we'll have that. And then uh, 
to make a long story short, what ended up happening, I started in July 11th was the very first service. The first baptism part of that of those Wednesday night services that we started calling them heaven come, by the way, because of a teaching that we had on the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so, uh, but from August to December, we ended up baptizing nearly 500 people in five months. We'd seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to the Lord. That's just one of hundreds of photos that we have. Uh, I don't know if you have one of them kneeling. That's not unusual, the kneeling, people coming and kneeling. They'll, they do that now during worship, even on Sunday, just during the worship time, they'll just come and kneel. But in our Heaven Come services, that's not unusual for people to come and kneel and just uh, during the worship service or after the message in our time of responding to the Lord. And so what we saw was this incredible thing begin to happen uh, at New Life Church. And we knew it was something different, something that we hadn't experienced before. I think there's a couple other, do you have a couple other pictures of them kind of kneeling? And that's our youth pastor there, but, uh, and his wife, one of our worship gals, uh, she wasn't leading worship that Wednesday. And so she's down there. But this, it, it just, something took over our church. It was just, it was amazing. It was something that we couldn't Explain in baptisms, people being baptized. I mean, like I said, uh, nearly 500 in five months. Uh, we're still having those. We still have baptisms. We have a horse trough that we, that we've, that we put up there. And uh, you can kind of see it right there. And we leave it up all the time now because we never know when folks are going to be baptized. It's chlorinated, it's heated, and all that stuff. All of our campuses uh, have a, a baptism tank up all the time. We just began to see some amazing things begin to take place. Um, we had one gentleman who um, had, had moved to Corpus with his wife uh, three years previous, almost four years previous. But before that, he had had a longstanding affair with a gal for 10 years. He, when they moved to Corpus three years uh, previous, you know, previous, he had obviously cut off that relationship. He had been involved in pornography. He had cut all that off. He had stopped doing all that. So he hadn't had any, anything going on with that gal for three years. He hadn't had anything to do with porn for three years. But during the heaven come services, while all these hundreds of people are just connecting with the Lord, just between them and Jesus, God got a hold of his heart and he went and confessed to his wife. Now folks, you can't preach somebody into doing something like that. And it almost destroyed the marriage, but God miraculously healed the marriage. Matter of fact, he stayed at our house for a while. You can imagine why, uh, understandably so. But God miraculously healed the marriage. But I'm talking about this conviction, this overwhelming sense of God just moving on, on his life. And we began to see these incredible things begin to take place. And... Um, some of the elements, I'm going to share a couple other testimonies with you in a moment, but some of the elements that we saw in this was, first of all, spiritual hunger. What's been driving this for us for the last nine or ten months is the hunger of the people for something more than the status quo. Let me tell you something about the status quo in the church world. The status quo ultimately isn't enough. Even the best 
of the status quo <laughs> isn't enough, right? And so people began, be, began to become really hungry. That's why they began to show up. Matter of fact, we had a heaven come service while we've been here in Hawaii this past Wednesday. It was the largest one to date. We weren't even there. People still getting baptized, people still coming to Jesus, still people still connecting with God in an incredible way, and we weren't even there. It's not us that's making this happen. It's not even centered around me or the worship team, though we contribute to it. It's really the hunger of the people, and here's how it started for us. It started by us personally, on a personal level first, making more room for God. See, we wanted more, and I wanted more, and I began to realize that if I wanted more, I needed to give him more. And I began to dawn on me that God's wanting to get in there, but sometimes it's hard for him to shimmy in where he needs to be. We can't experience his best, more of his best, because it's being crowded out by our unforgiveness, or our anger, or our secret sins, or our critical spirit, or our laziness. Does this make sense, everybody? Just the distractions, just even the good stuff that we do that isn't even sinful. There's just a lot of stuff that I began to realize, even in my life, I realized that I, I, wasn't, I couldn't experience more of God's best because it was cluttered, my life was cluttered up by other stuff, even stuff that wasn't sinful. I just needed to create more space for him. We cut off our cable. I found myself reading more, listening to more worship, praying more, reading the scriptures more. I mean, you can only walk around the house so long. I can only look at Malachi for so long, the dog. I can only talk to him. Bonnie, okay, we're, we're done. We talked. We talked it out. Okay, this is great. But I mean, at some point in time, we're just kind of wandering around. Oh, well, let's start reading the Bible. Let's pray. Let's worship. And we started creating space. And here's what we discovered personally and as a church, that every time we created space, God filled it. And the more space we created, the more he filled it. Like tithing, for example. You know what the big deal is tithing? You know what the greatest thing is about tithing? When I give 10% of my income, I'm carving that out of my checkbook, and I'm creating space for God to come in and have his best in my life financially. Does that make sense, everybody? When the children of Israel, when God said, just collect enough food for the day, he was trying to teach them, no matter how much I bless you, no matter how much excess you have, he was trying to teach them to please, please never live past the point of creating enough room and giving me the place and the space to give my best to you, to do what only I can do in your life. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? And so that's what we were doing. This spiritual hunger was just this whole thing. And so at, at, at New Life, that buzzword is, we're just giving God space. We're just giving him room. And every time we did it, so we did it personally. And then when we were doing the Wednesdays, we didn't normally, we only gave him one Wednesday a month. That was normal for us, all right? For other churches, it may not be, but for us, that was normal. But we started giving him more every Wednesday because it was giving him room to do something corporately, just like we were giving him room to do things privately. And we began to see God do some amazing things. Spiritual hunger. Jesus said, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're the ones that are filled. The hungry are filled. The thirsty experience the quenching. And so we just began to make room for God to do something. And he began to show up. And we realized the more room we gave him, the more he showed up. And we realized how important it was 
Another thing that started happening is I started reading the book of the first couple of chapters of Revelation where Jesus is talking to the, 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 the churches, the seven churches of Asia, which really he's talking to the church. It's a job performance review. Those two chapters is Jesus himself as the head of the church giving a church a job performance review. And he's saying, you guys are doing this awesome. This is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. But you're messing up right here. And I need you to start doing this or stop doing this. You know, the Bible says he walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Literally, in the Greek, that means he walks around the church. Uh, A very accurate translation is, is that when we come together corporately like this, Jesus walks up and down the aisles of our churches and he's paying attention and he's looking at what we're doing and what we're not doing. And in Revelation 2 and 3, he's telling us what's important to him, what he's really looking for, what really matters to him. And on the flip side, he's also telling us what he doesn't care about. And I began to realize that as a church, no matter how healthy we were, I, we needed to start paying attention, better attention to what matters to Jesus and making sure that matters to us and also realizing what he doesn't really care about and we need to stop caring about that. And we need to keep the main thing the main thing, amen? Because he's the head of the church. And so that's what we were doing and we began to see God do some incredible things. Another mark of this was repentance and baptisms. As I said, we had all these people being baptized. Acts 2, verse, chapter 2, verse 38 became a reality for us where Peter is preaching to the crowd and he said, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we began to see this spirit of repentance as well as just people experiencing a healing from God because we were giving him the room and the space corporately and personally for him to do that. So we began to see that like the gentleman that, that confessed of a, of, of a long-standing adultery that had happened for years and it happened in the past stuff like that we had a young gal who while she was one of the hundreds that would come to the front and during heaven come while she was praying matter of fact go back to the one where they're kneeling uh go back to the one where they're kneeling uh the other one now okay right here this gal right here this gal right here that's matilda matilda trevino now go back to the one the couple there This is the same gal. That's the same gal. She had been living with her boyfriend for a long time. And she was still a part of our church. We loved on her. She helped welcome, greet greet folks before the service. She was a wonderful young gal. But her and her boyfriend were living together. I didn't know that, but they were living together. And at some point in time, while while we made room for the Holy Spirit to sweep in, and she was kneeling and worshiping God and ministering to him and receiving from him and giving him more room in her life, he told her, you need to move out of your boyfriend. You guys need to split up, not not still be boyfriend and girlfriend, but you need to get out. Out of, not, you got to stop living together. So she told her boyfriend, he said, yeah, the Holy Spirit's been telling me the same thing. There she is testifying of that. She wanted to share that in that testimony. So she stands up there. Now the look on my face, you can see the look on my face. I'm a little shocked because she just got done saying this. And if y'all are shacking up, you need to stop right now. And let Jesus be the Lord of your life. I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. But how can you argue with that when a woman and a young man where God's moved on their hearts. One of the last baptisms we had in 2018 was a young man. He, in the fall, 
in Corpus, one of the main high schools, we had two young teenagers take their lives within uh, three weeks of each other. Also, in that, there were seven or eight attempted suicides. And there was a young man who was the quarterback of the football team. And he was one of those attempted suicides. There is names right there, Kobe Piper. You can find Kobe on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter. The reason why I say that is because he tried to commit suicide. It was only by a miracle that he wasn't successful because it was legit. He was really trying. And he heard about these services and he started coming to the Heaven Come services. And because we gave room for the Holy Spirit to do something, we gave God the space to do that. It got a hold of Kobe. And Kobe decided that suicide wasn't the answer and that he needed to rededicate his life to Jesus. Now, he's getting baptized in the clothes he came to church in. He was sitting out in the worship, in the, in the, in, in the seats, and he told his mom, I'm going to get baptized. And she says, what are you talking about? You don't have a change of clothes. I'm going to get baptized. She looked down. She looked up. He was gone. He was on stage, and he was getting baptized. That's our youth pastor there baptizing him. He went home at 9.16 that night and got on Twitter And here's what he posted on Twitter. Now, I didn't catch the whole thing, but right before the top part where it says I was in the darkest place of my life, right before that, he says, two months ago, I attempted suicide. Then the next line was, I was in the darkest place. I was lost. I lost faith, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I was praying to silence like God was trying to, wasn't trying to answer my prayers I was, and was ignoring me. I've prayed every day to forget the past and renew my faith. So tonight I did just that. And he posted a picture of himself being baptized. That was 9-16 on that Wednesday night. By Friday, 2.8 million views of that, over 25,000 retweets. So many teenagers reaching out to him saying, I was going to commit suicide. Now I'm not going to commit suicide. I see that Jesus is the answer. Just because a young man decided to, and really it's because we gave God room and space. We gave God room and space. I think we've become so concerned about being culturally relevant as a church that we've lost our cultural distinction. And the smooth transitions, which are important, and doing things in excellence, which is important, at the end of the day isn't enough to set a man, young man free like that or cause a man to confess to his wife that he's been committing adultery. Ultimately, now how sleek our services are, that it's important to do things well, but at the end of the day, folks, that, is not, that does not carry enough power to change somebody's life. But the Holy Spirit is the one distinction that separates us from the rest of the world. God's presence on us and in us is the one thing that separates us from a concert or an Amway meeting. Or You know what I'm saying when we gather like this? Come on, you guys. The Holy Spirit is the only one. He's the one that allows us, gives us permission to color outside the lines, to not have to live within the boundaries that the God of this world establishes in our lives where bad marriages get worse and lost kids never come home and people that get sick die and people that are angry die angry and die bitter. Those are the lines that the devil colored. He wants us to live within those lines, but the Holy Spirit is the only one who gives us permission to color outside those lines and say, no, that's not how we play. That's, we're not playing by your rules, devil. And 
we didn't discover that until we gave him room. We were healthy, and God was using us. But God knew that what we were facing as a church was greater than what we could accomplish on our own. And so he was trying to get us to move over and give him enough space in our personal lives. Look, there's probably some of us here this morning. That unforgiveness is crowding out God's best. Bitterness is crowding out God's best. Secret sins are crowding out God's best. There's probably some of us that just foolishness is crowding out God's best. And he's just wanting us to just unclutter that stuff and give him the room and the place and the space to do what he always wants to do and do what, he, what we need him to do and quite honestly do what we deep in our hearts really want him to do, right? Just give him the room to do it. I'm convinced Every time we've given him that space, he's filled it. I know Pastor Carl's going to come right now, and, and we're going to close out with these songs. And I know there's communion that's available here. That's another thing that we really discovered in a huge way is communion. Uh, here's why I think that's been so powerful. It's because it represents the finished work of Jesus. His body was broken so we could be healed. Here's what I discovered about this. If I'll hide myself in the wounds of Christ, I've discovered it will heal me from the wounds of life. There's something powerful that's demonstrated to us that, that reminds us in communion, that reminds us of the broken body of Jesus, right? And his shed blood that was poured out for us to destroy the effects of sin, the shame of sin, the guilt of sin, the sorrow of sin, the, 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 the pull of sin, the grip of sin. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Carl if he would to come and just lead us in this remainder part of our time together. Thanks, Mike. Let's, let's go ahead and pray right now. And then we're going to re respond here in a minute. Lord, we come before you right now. Lord, we receive that word good word, Lord, that says sometimes we can just get caught in something that looks healthy and it seems good, but you've always been the God of more, the God of increase, the God of greater. And you've got more for us if we're just willing to make that room and create that space. And Lord, today in our hearts, I pray that as this thought is hitting us, that we would be making kind of a, a personal inventory right now of our lives, just taking a look at where we're at. And what are the areas, Lord, that we're feeling compelled here today? to just give up and to shift some things around and to let some things go and to, to pull back from some relationships and some habits that we have and just create in our own personal lives a little bit more space and room for you to, to come in and fill it. And Lord, even in our churches and our services, Lord, even today with Anchor Church, we're just, we're trying to mix it up, Lord. We're trying to change things so that we can give you a little bit more room in our lives that we can find you. We can find real depth of change, of change of character, of personality, of heart, of habits. Lord, we just need you. We just want you. So right now, Lord, we're just going to say a prayer that's going to allow some people to make that space for you for the very first time. I believe that in the room this size, that there's, there's some of you in here today that you've never really ever given God 
space in your life to come in and be your God. Maybe you've known about him, you heard about him, maybe you read some of the Bible before, or you went to Christian school as a kid or something like that, but you've never really officially allowed him to come in and take personal residence, permanent residence. And today's your day. You know that I'm talking to you right now. You know that as Pastor Mike was preaching that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and he's just saying, I got more for you. Will you trust me? Will you let me in? Will you let me be your God? And if that's you here today and you're ready to make a commitment to to really become a Christian, to really surrender and say yes to all that God has for you, I would love to lead you in a prayer. In other words, you just kind of take the words that I pray, make them your words in your heart to God and God will meet you right where you're at today. And so right now in this, in this crowded room with every eye closed and head bowed, if you're someone who's ready to take that step before God right now today, and you know who I'm talking to, you know it's you, it's like God saying, come on, this is it. Let's, let's come into relationship right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to make you pray it out loud in front of all these people. I'm going to pray the words. You take my words, you pray them in your heart, you make them your words to God, and God will hear you. He sees our hearts, he judges our hearts. If that's you here today, this morning, like I said, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. If that's you and you'd like to respond, I would love to know who I get the privilege of praying this prayer with. If you could just tell me that right now by doing one simple thing, just raising your hand. Can you just raise your hand and go, Pastor Carl, I'm in. I just need more of God. I need to know I'm a Christian. Good, I see hands going up across the room. Can you keep them up? I just want to acknowledge you. I see you. I got you. I got you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Got someone there. I see you. See you. Over here, over here, over here, over here. Praise God, I see you, I see you, I see you in the back. If you're in the the children's room in the back, don't worry, someone sees you, God sees you. If you're in the courtyard, if you're watching online and your heart is there, God sees you. I see this person right up here up front. I see all of those hands. Praise God, go ahead and put your hands down right now. And this is the prayer. This is the moment that changes everything. I'm gonna say the words, but these, you make them your words in your heart to God under your breath. Here we go. God, I'm here today and I'm bottom line, I realize I need you, I want you tired of living life on my own strength. It's just not producing the results I want. So God, I'm here today and I realize that you're a good God, that you created me and that you want nothing but my best. Lord, I'm tired for thinking wrong views of you in the past that that are views of, of that you're a scary God, that you're an angry God, that, you, that you're so holy you don't want anything to do with me. Lord, I repent of that because what I understand, Lord, is that you're a loving Father that only wants to fix my life, to heal me, to forgive me, and to bring me into relationship with you. Like, Lord, you're not here to judge me or condemn me. You just want relationship with me as broken as I am. Lord, you're going to make something beautiful out of my life. So God, here's my life. I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin and my separation from you. In other words, he took the hit so I don't have to. And Lord, I, I, I'm aware that because of that, and if I say yes to you and receive that salvation, Lord, I have eternity now with you face to face and that I have hope and I have help in all of my problems starting here, starting now. So Lord, I'm thanking you right now as I'm telling you that I believe in you, I receive your free gift of salvation and I promise I will live this out all the days of my life until I see you face to face. Lord, thank you that I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. I look forward to what you're going to do in my life as I press into you. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen. Let's praise God for those people this morning. Amen, amen.